0: You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Family Business Podcast. I am joined today by Dr. Michael Klein, who is a workplace psychologist and author of the book Trapped in the Family Business. And that is the title of today's show, um, Trapped in the Family Business, which um, is something that can sound as if it has negative connotations, but we're actually going to discuss some of the positive elements of that. Um, But firstly, Michael, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Russ. Very, very happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, Now, for our audience who may not have come across your work before, um, could you just give us a bit of an introduction, uh, some background, and how you came to be doing what you're doing now?
1: Absolutely. Well, many, many years ago, I was very motivated to become a clinical psychologist, uh, which in the U.S. was, and, and I believe, maybe to a lesser extent, Uh, a very competitive field, but I was absolutely committed to doing the kind of clinical work that I think is so beneficial to people. One-on-one psychotherapy, psychological assessment, group psychotherapy, those kinds of things. On the way to achieving my doctorate, I was uh, very lucky that the program that I was uh, enrolled in also had an organizational psychology track. And over time, I became more and more intrigued by the courses that were going on over on that side of the building. And so I had more interactions with the organizational psychology students and I found that, you know what, I'm not sure that the best home for me is in fact clinical psychology. I became quite interested in how one can take psychological concepts, concepts of personality, Emotional intelligence, human development across the lifespan, uh, uh, career satisfaction, career paths, things like that, and apply it to exclusively to work and to the workplace. And so over time, I did more and more organizational psychology work, so much so that even though I did receive my doctorate in clinical psychology, I went for additional training and uh, internships and externships in human resources and organizational psychology. And so for the past 20 years, that's been my work, working with small and mid-sized companies, doing all sorts of things from management development to selection testing to team dynamics and team communication. And then um, really the, the The part of my work that we're here to talk about today is work with individuals who either may be entering their family business and trying to figure out if that's the path for them or are already in their family business and perhaps questioning it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a a fantastic summary of um, exactly what we are going to be looking at when when we talk about filling. Trapped in, in the family business. One of the things I'm um, interested in, we, we may come to it a bit later on as well, but the, the area of emotional intelligence, um, we seem to be far more aware of that as a thing these days rather than, um, you know, most people when we talk about assessments were judged on um, maybe 10, 15 years ago, we're not judged on the same things that uh, modern day assessments perhaps pick up. Is Is that what you've seen in your work or is that just my? Misperception. Oh,
1: I think you're you're right on the money. I think that's absolutely true. Uh, What we've learned in organizational psychology, I would say, and just in in workforce research, is that yes, we are hardwired to have certain personality traits, and the metaphor that I like to use with it is our genetics can predict, for the most part, how tall we're likely to be, what color our hair will be. Um, perhaps even the shape or size of our bones. And as a result of all of those genetics, we are predisposed to have perhaps, you know, muscles that are a certain size or certain parts of our body that are more more likely to have perhaps extra fat or less fat on them, Uh just based on those genetics. The fact is, though, we can shape that tremendously. And emotional intelligence is... That part of, uh, of what I consider um, those things that we can assess and develop to make sure that people are in the right jobs and kind of on the, the best possible career path. So whereas personality is hardwired and we still measure personality because it's a huge predictor of success in the workplace, there's more and more time that's been spent on emotional intelligence because those skills, in fact, even though related to personality, can very much be developed.
0: Yeah, and it's separating the two that's the important element there as well, isn't it? That um, they are two distinct things, whereas I think historically they've, they've not perhaps been given that recognition.
1: I think that's true. I mean, I think there is, there is certainly some overlap when I do uh, testing either to help companies hire the right people or to help individuals and family businesses figure out what the best career path is for them. I will use a variety of assessment tools and often emotional intelligence results and personality results there is tremendous overlap as Uh as you might expect Uh, but it gives us a lot much more of a comprehensive picture of kind of not only who somebody is and what they might be, but at what stage they're at in terms of the development of some of their social and emotional skills. And
0: uh,
1: as I'm sure, you know, emotional intelligence, or at least the way I think of it is the ability to understand and manage yourself and understand and manage relationships.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Good. Well, we we may come back to that um, a little bit later on. Um, But as we mentioned, you've published a book, um, and I think it's been republished or relaunched um, called Trapped in the Family Business, which, um, as we say, is a great title. It's the title of today's show, and I'm sure is um, there are listeners out there who are going, yes, that is exactly how I feel. But in terms of the work that you've done, did, is there a definition of how people feel trapped? And, and I'm keen to, to point out that and again, you may disagree, but, but certainly from my view, people who can feel trapped, it doesn't necessarily have to be in, in the negative sense, which the word trapped does have negative connotations. But again, would, would you agree on that side of things or, or is it generally negative?
1: I think it's a great question, and I I wish I had a straightforward answer for you. I think that, uh, unfortunately, because there are immediate negative connotations to the idea of being trapped, I have had to explain to folks, really, and and spend a lot of time saying that, just because you may have a feeling of being trapped, I mean, people can feel trapped in all sorts of situations. I asked, when I was first starting out uh, doing research on the first edition of the book, I asked a uh, family business center director here in the States, uh, over his 25 years of experience, if he could give me just a general number for how many, what's a percentage of folks that he believes have felt trapped in their family business over the course of their career? And his response was, well, it is hard to give you an exact number, but I have to say between 99 and 100%. <laughs> and Fantastic. you know, uh, the reality is that uh, at different times and in different situations, we all may very well feel trapped and not and and lose perspective on the options that we have. And often it takes uh, an outsider and somebody with an objective view, I think, to help that individual see things perhaps a little bit differently and gain some perspective on that. I will say that uh, when I present on this topic, uh, whether it's a family business center or an advisor uh, group or uh, a company has asked me to present to their family business uh, clients or prospects, I do title my presentation Thriving or Trapped in the Family Business uh-huh. because I think that you're right, there is that immediate kind of negative connotation to, to Trapped and the idea that, well, the only solution is to exit, when in fact, that's just one of, of many options that people have.
0: Yeah. And what was it that brought you to, to write the book? What was your motivation behind it?
1: Well, about ten years ago, I had uh, I had started my own practice, and I received referral, a referral—a referral from a financial advisor friend in New York City. He had a client, a long-term client, who was in his mid-thirties at the time. Him and his brother had purchased uh, their business, a manufacturing company, from their father. And after five years of working together, were at each other's throats. And my friend's client was ready to make the most abrupt, impulsive decision simply to get away from his brother. I mean, things had gotten very, very very, very bad to the mm-hmm. point of practically having physical altercations at work, but certainly wow. very unprofessional interactions in front of employees. And um, my friend said, "Look, I have a guy. I'd like you to talk to." And at that point, I hadn't, I hadn't done anything in family business work. But what I learned from working with this client was that, uh, and and I'm sure this is a topic that you've talked about with other with other folks on your podcast, and certainly something you're familiar with. Um Working with family members can be incredibly complex, and being able to have frank conversations, being able to exit it's uh, it, it's, it's far more complicated than in a non-family business. Now okay. in this particular in this particular situation, these brothers had an agreement to build up the business, to sell the business, and what happened was the older brother had really fallen in love with running the business. My client, his younger brother, had really been ready to get up for quite some time. But because of all the family dynamics, because of all the guilt, all the obligations, because of really the two brothers' inability to have frank conversations about, you know what, we're in different points now about this, and we need to talk about what that means, they were really taking it out on each other. Uh, and so what I learned from, from my client, from this younger brother, was that he had really lost sight internally about what motivates him, about uh-huh. what he wanted to do with his life, about what his passions really were. He had become so wrapped up in this business and in working closely with his brother uh, that he had forgotten about himself. And so what what initially appeared to simply be, uh, well, no, I shouldn't say simply, but what, what initially appeared to be a family systems issue was much more about my client again, getting in touch with reestablishing a connection with who he was and who he mm. wanted to be in his life. And so from that point on, I became fascinated and well, how do people enter family businesses and how do they make decisions to stay in family businesses? Mm-hmm. And how hard is it to exit a family business if, if it ends up not being your passion? I did some research, found out there was really nothing in, uh, in, uh, certainly in, in, um, retail business books and kind of pop psychology about this topic. And like many people who write their first books, I wanted to write the book because there was nothing like it out there. And I wanted it to be available for people who are in this situation. Mm-hmm. I, often te- I often tell folks that if nothing else, simply having the title out there for me was an accomplishment because I wanted other people to know that this is something that a lot of people feel And it's once you can articulate it, I think you can gain a sense of, well, if it's, if it's a common feeling, if it's not unique to me, there must be ways of thinking about it and there must be ways of addressing it and doing something about it. I'm not the crazy one.
0: No, and that's um, part of the motivation behind why we do this podcast is to try and, um, shed light on the fact that uh, a lot of the challenges and, and issues and, and opportunities that family business face, whilst it, you might feel as if you face them alone it is something that is very common, it is something that typically whilst the family situation may be unique, the, um, the feeling or the um, challenge or issue can be shared, um, certainly amongst um, other family businesses um, <coughs> Sorry Don.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of my work does involve doing in-depth discovery, psychological assessment, advising, and coaching with people who are, again, considering entering their family business or working in their family business. And again, you know, not quite sure it's the place for them. But what I find is that uh, I'm only obviously touching a small percentage Mm. of the folks out there that are having those feelings and that are having those doubts and those concerns. And so podcasts like yours, I think, are really invaluable to do exactly what you said, to let folks know that they're not alone. Uh, there's something that can be done about it. And mm. and other people have, have managed similar situations.
0: Yeah. And I think family businesses um, enable a, a particular environment in which you're possibly looking out for your um, family members more than you would in, in, in a non-family business. That, that may be unfair but but I think the fact that you're working with family as well, you, you mentioned it creates um, a unique situation um, and, and can have positive and negatives on that. I think it, it also allows um, people to be more observant perhaps as to what some of the symptoms are for either themselves or other people in the family business that might feel trapped. So if Somebody's listening to this and is thinking, Well, I've got this feeling. I'm not sure whether it is this or not. What are the symptoms that they need to look out for, either within themselves or perhaps within family members, that would suggest that they are feeling trapped?
1: Sure. Well, I will say that a lot of what I'm about to, the list I'm going to run off for you, is not unique Mm -hmm. to people who feel trapped in the family. Business, but it's what I see time and, and time again, and I think it does tie a lot of a lot of folks together. Um, one of the uh, the most painful things to observe is disengagement, and when I say disengagement, I just mean people who are part of the business, maybe and even in leadership positions, but they're not connected to their work. Um, they're missing meetings. They're increasingly missing meetings. There, there are longer and longer absences. Um, of course, things like substance use and sub- substance abuse are things to certainly watch out for. Uh, I see a lot of symptoms related to depression and anxiety, and that could be things like changes in sleep habits, in eating habits, but certainly disengagement, I would say, is one of the biggest symptoms. And again, it's true, and it could be true in any environment, not just in family businesses, obviously, but, but that sense of not being part of where the business is going, um, not, not being involved in key decision-making, not volunteering for opportunities that really can make a difference in the business. And so increasing distance between, I would say, the goals and the mission of the business and the individual. And sometimes you'll see that in behaviors, like I said, missed meetings, missed appointments, absences, but sometimes it's just a feeling that you can get from watching somebody who is really, um, in the wrong role potentially, Uh or struggling with certain relationships they have with other family members or in the wrong industry, or maybe just even in the wrong business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a few things in there that, that, um, Obviously, you recognize um, particularly in terms of disengagement and um, substance use that um, depression and either um, clinical depression or a feeling of depression um, and anxiety and I think one of the, the concepts I wanted to have a chat to you about is you presumably do work um, outside of family firms as well and the... The family firm, as a, as an entity, perhaps allows some of this to go further than non-family business. Again, I may be being unfair there, but if, for example, there's a, a, a proper HR structure in place in a non-family organisation, and somebody is coming to work who's clearly been um, abusing a substance of some description, it's perhaps harder for them to get away with. It's the wrong phrase, but harder for them to to hide that than if they're in a family business where they think all the consequences are mum or dad perhaps aren't going to address me uh, on this or they're not going to sack me for this. Um, Is that true in in the findings that you've had or or am I barking up the wrong tree?
1: No, I mean, in my experience, that's absolutely true. I mean, if you want to if you're a human resources professional and want to take on one of the most challenging roles of your career, um, become part of a family-run business <laughs> because you uh, you find that, and I've had clients for whom, uh, even owners, I uh, worked with a company, a fourth-generation manufacturing company uh, here in the US, owned by three brothers. And one of the brothers uh, had a serious um, dependency issue uh, and a uh, substance abuse issue and so would disappear Uh, for days or sometimes weeks at a time. And it was something that was accepted. It wasn't addressed. It was certainly the elephant in the room There had been alcoholism in prior generations in the family. And it it didn't help anybody. It didn't help him that it wasn't addressed. It certainly didn't help the business that his role in the business was really not being maximized. And it, of course, affected the people who reported to him. So I think uh, family businesses really can be enablers in that way. Oh. Uh, I think the other big piece of it for me is that what makes it so, what, what makes this problem so, um, um, so interesting to me, frankly, is that unlike in a non-family business, if you're struggling at work, if you're not sure if you're in the right job, you might talk to friends about it. You might talk to other business people in the community about it. Um, Certainly you want to keep it quiet, but I think there are avenues to pursue in terms of trying to get just advice or input from other people that are out there but if you're in a second or later a second generation or later in a family business often you're told well we don't air our dirty laundry in public uh, for, for any number of reasons um, we don't want to think the family is having there's any strife internally we don't want we don't want the larger business community to know that there might be questions of of succession planning you know yeah, our, our long-term contracts right I mean those are things that <coughs> that could be in jeopardy. And so yeah. you've got folks who unfortunately are uh, there's a self-imposed silence and even uh, certainly talking in internally talking to family members can be opening a Pandora's box, oh. especially if, you know, the expectation is well, I came into the family business, like my parents before me, like my parents, like their parents before them. And the obligation can be quite, quite overwhelming and, and quite suffocating. So what I found is that it's especially tricky for folks even and I'll even say even advisors who work with family businesses you know they're often hired to work for the business as a whole or to work for you know the controlling generation and so if you're the next gen uh, talking to your you know quote dad's advisor is not necessarily something that you're going to run towards because ultimately yeah he's not working for you he's working for the business.
0: I think you you picked up on a, a very valid point as well within that in terms of the, the peer group that's accessible to people within family firms. So I don't work, uh, technically we're a family firm, we're a second-gen gen family firm, but but there's none of my family members that work within the, the business that I work within. If I've had a bad day, I can come home and go, God, oh, I had a, a bad day and I, I can talk to my mum and dad about it or whatever. When you're working with those individuals, it cuts that peer group off almost as the, somebody to vent to, to, to air that frustration, to, to just have that brain dump with, And the cumulative impact of that over time can have quite a a telling impact on the individual because if if you don't work within a family business or you're not aware of the challenges in the family business, talking to your peer group is not massively helpful because they can't relate in, in the same way as somebody else who's going through that. But also you can't then go to your dad and say, for example, I've got a terrible boss. He won't let me do what... I want to do and right. it turns out that the boss is the dad <laughs> right. or you can't go to mum and say I've got this terrible, you know, whatever the scenario might be, cutting that off as a potential um, avenue for, for people to, to air their views can, um, I imagine, lead to some of the symptoms that we're hearing about.
1: Absolutely, and I think it just it builds up over time and people avoid the issue as much as possible or are in denial that maybe this isn't a fit and maybe I'm going to have, a, going to, have to have a very difficult conversation with mom or dad or my uncles or aunts or my siblings about I'm not sure either this role or this business or this industry is a fit for me, and so people will push it off. And so what ends up happening is, unfortunately, as I'm sure you've seen, we end up with uh, attorneys involved and lawsuits involved when family members are still owning and operating a business together. I mean, it's just, uh, it's unfortunately far too common that there are active lawsuits between the co-owners who are also family members because it gets to a point where people are so frustrated because they simply haven't done either the preventative work uh-huh. or when things have started to go awry, they really, everyone was too afraid to talk about it. And so much like the client, really my first family business client that I mentioned earlier, it gets to a point where they're just ready to make um, incredibly poor impulsive decisions because they're they're at their wit's end.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, one of the other things I was going to um, ask your opinion on is in terms of conflict amongst family members. And again, we're focusing at, at this point on, on the negative side. We will, we will get to the more positive stuff. <laughs> um, but, but in terms of the conflict side of things, one of the things I've had a discussion um, about with a colleague is whether conflict is more prevalent, prevalent within a family firm because people feel safe in having that conflict. Because it's a family business, for those reasons that we've said before, where you, you can perhaps think, well, I'm not going to get fired if I tell my brother what I really think of him. Whereas if I did that to a, uh, an employee in a non-family business, I'd probably be uh, reprimanded. But, but whether that, that family business environment that, that creates that safety to have conflict could also create the environment in which you can feel safe in airing your views. Because I, I imagine that one of the hardest parts of feeling trapped is speaking to somebody and raising it and trying to look for a solution. But if people were using and recognizing that that safety exists, they could pivot that and say, okay, well, if, it, if it's safe for me to have an argument without there being huge ramifications, maybe it's okay for me to, to raise this and be honest and say, this is how I'm feeling. But, but again, I, I don't know whether that's been seen in your experience.
1: Yeah, I think, well, again, uh, uh, not to be repetitive, but I think people wait too long to have oh. those conversations. And I think the best time to have those conversations, frankly, is uh, and, and to do some really thoughtful work is before even joining a family business. Oh. So, but if there are issues, if there is dissatisfaction, if there are major questions about, I'm not sure I'm in, I'm in the right place. I think you're right. I think taking advantage of what one would hope would be uh, kind of a uh, family first approach and that, the trust and intimacy and, and love that family yeah. members have for each other, really, that, that you could take advantage of that and and have those conversations. I think where it becomes complex is and this is why I think so many folks with psychology backgrounds work in this field is because there's a tremendous amount of unconscious motivation that's present. And so while on the one hand, um, uh, a parent might say, I want, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to join the business. I want you to stay here because of, the you know potential for ownership down the road you're further along in your career at 28 than you would be if you weren't in our family business parents also have their own motivations for having family members in there whether it's continuing you know the legacy of the family business i've worked with many many clients for whom having family members is a source of comfort because there's far more trust um, among family members that there aren't, there isn't necessarily, and this isn't, of course, always the case, but the perception that uh, there isn't going to be theft that there might be from a non-family business member, you know, uh-huh. because we are, we are family. Uh, you know, there's so much that is below the surface. And I do think uh, it's up to uh, the, the generations that are running the business, whether it's first, second, whatever point in history the family business is, but for parents to really think through what their own motivations are for bringing the next generation in. And uh-huh. look, I, I, uh, I'm i very aware of, of and, and part of it is my training, part of it is me by temperament uh, and my interest, but I am focusing on kind of the dark side of things. Yeah. Um, I think it's just so critically important because we can pretend they're not there. That that, that doesn't mean they don't exist. And I think it takes a lot of courage and bravery to say, look, as a parent, I want my child to join me because I've got certain needs uh, just as a human being that I want met. And if they're not kind of brought to the surface, if they're not really addressed, they can be acted on and then you end up with a trapped situation. Uh
0: And one of the phrases you used um, in, in your, one of your explanations was preventative work before yes. joining. Um, can, can we explore that a little bit more? I know, I know part of that was parents perhaps understanding why they would want their children to come through the business. What else can family members be doing prior to perhaps joining the business or whether they're, they're thinking about it or even whether it's an option what can they be doing in terms of preventative work to avoid this becoming a situation that they're faced with?
1: Well, there are, I think there are several things that most folks who do any kind of family business consulting work agree on at this point uh, in the history of of that profession. And I believe academics, for the most part, are in agreement, uh, for the most part, mm-hmm. that spending time uh, in another business where you're not, you know, your name is not up on the wall, mm-hmm. uh, provides uh, so much for the individual psychologically. Uh, you know, I, w- What's very sad for me is to, and I've had clients like this who are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, who've never worked outside of the family business, who've never put together a resume, been on a job interview. There's a seed of doubt, I think, unfortunately, that's planted early on. And throughout their career, I find that many of these folks really question well, am I a, uh, In some ways, and this is going to sound a bit dramatic, but I am. Am I a fully capable, competent, autonomous adult? If this oh. business were to collapse tomorrow or be sold, which is the case with some folks that I've worked with, what does that mean for me? Oh. You know, do I have value in the working world? And so, one of the, and so they end up staying in the business even if it's not the best fit, even if they're not happy for fear and insecurity that they couldn't survive elsewhere. And so one of the great things that working outside of the business does is it instills the sense of, no, I could stand on my own two feet. I don't need my family's name. I don't need my family's business in order to be gainfully employed. And so I think that that's one of the big ones in terms of preventative work. I think that families could do is make sure that there are clear guidelines about you will work outside of our business first. Um, You will not just bide your time, but show that you are, in fact, progressing in a career, not just simply waiting it out until a point that we say, "Okay, come on back into the business. So I think
0: I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, And I I had a a great example of that um, on a previous episode. I can't remember what episode it was, um, but it was an interview with a a lady called Maria Velax who had they had a big pharmaceutical company as a as a family business. And they had specific rules on criteria for working within the business, and one of those was you have to go and get experience elsewhere. Um, and that, as as being part of the the rule book, means that it's it's there. It's not on a case by case basis where you know little Johnny might be coming through and you know we'll send him off for for some experience elsewhere. But Sally or Susan or Steve doesn't matter. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll let them come in, it's in the rules, it's in the governance of the family that you need to go and get experience elsewhere before you come into the business.
1: Yeah, I think, it, you know, it not only helps the individual internally and helps their confidence and frankly is a normal part of adult development, but mm. ultimately if they do come back to the business or if they do come into the business, it helps keep the business fresh and it provides uh, insight and experience from outside. Uh-huh. And you know what a great thing to be able to bring um, to to the business if you're a family member and you've kind of done that. I mean, that can be a wonderful contribution yeah. that you can make. Uh, let me make just one quick point on this. Even I've seen far too often, even when those guidelines are in place, that because of because of love, because of wanting to protect their children, because of not wanting to see their children in pain, I've seen far too many parents who say, "You know what? It's." Uh, because you couldn't find a job right out of college or out of high school or because you couldn't find the ideal job. Why don't we create a role for you and you can come in and and let's see if that works. And it's, again, uh, you know, what I'll say, it's on the surface, it's parents being wonderful and his parents being protective and caring, the problem is that it can um, set in motion uh, a path that leads to uh, I don't want to say a dead end, but in some ways, well, certainly these feelings of being trapped and, and people who don't ultimately fully develop themselves as, as, as they should as mm. working autonomous adults.
0: And part of that feeling of, of being trapped could be out of a curiosity of not knowing whether you could do it elsewhere. So if you had aspirations of thinking, you know, I'm going to be this when I grow up, uh, and you end up going straight into the family business and not exploring that as an option, you can always be left there thinking, well, what if? It doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're not enjoying what you're doing, but you could be set to go, well, what if I'd have become an astronaut or whatever it is that you, you might aspire to do? Um, but that can manifest itself in some of the disengagement is actually, I, I wish I was doing something else, which, which could potentially now, if I word this correctly, lead us on to, to some of the positive elements of of feeling trapped is in the same way that the business can enable the um, negative outs- outcomes of that I think there is a, a massive opportunity within family firms to allow the business to become an enabler on a positive sense to allow people to explore alternative careers and to explore diversification uh, as a business um, and again, what steps can, can businesses or family businesses be taking to, to help encourage that?
1: Well, I think it's a great point, And I think it's something that we really do need to, to talk about, because just like you're saying, um, and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have, you know, this doesn't have to be a huge family business for this to happen. But uh, the next generation can bring in perspectives And markets and ways of looking at the business and adjacent and create adjacent products, adjacent businesses, you know, target additional markets that the the current um, uh, generation perhaps hasn't been thinking about. And so uh, what on the one uh, on the one hand could be seen as a trap. Uh, can be a wonderful opportunity again, not only for the individual but for the business. One of the things that I've, off, I've that I've also seen is that family businesses can provide. You know, opportunities to join the business, but also some liquidity to to go out there and to start uh, one's own business that maybe can connect with the family business at some point or maybe not. But certainly when family businesses are successful and when there is some available liquidity for uh, for an up and coming next gen uh, to be able to say you've got options besides simply working in the business, you can still be an owner uh but it doesn't mean you need to work it be in this line of work work in this mm. market sell this product there are adjacent opportunities for you as well
0: yeah and i think <clears throat> that's something that um again good communication is going to help to highlight because if you don't if you don't ask that if you don't explore that as an opportunity it's not something that's necessarily going to land in your lap and go you know we've been thinking why don't we diversify off and go and do this It 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 needs to have that element of communication around it, and the family firm enables that. Uh, Again, if you're, I always use the example of a widget factory. Um, If you're in a widget factory and you're it's non-family, you're you're non-family. You go up to the boss and go, actually, I think we should start making sprockets or whatever. whatever. Uh, And they go, well, no, (laughs) that's not what we do. We 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 make widgets. Get back to your get back to your job. Whereas within a family firm, you can sit down with with your family and go, actually, what if we explored this a little bit more? That that, that element of safety creates the environment to be able to say, I want to go off and do this. H- how do we think the business can support that and and turn it into a positive? And th- that in itself, um, I, I think you know Greg McCann, and, and um, me and Greg recorded an, a, an episode where we talked about exactly this, where we, we talked about how we can... Um, diversify the family business to, to change the mindset from being a family business to a business family mm. and I think that that's a, um, a huge opportunity for somebody if they are feeling um, some of these feelings of, of being trapped or perhaps unfulfilled um, is another way of looking at it they've got this opportunity to be able to go and do that in, in a fairly unique um, way
1: Agreed. And I'll, 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 uh, I will I'll love that you referenced, Greg, I've heard the idea of a business family also referred to as, or that shift to a business family also referred to as rather than a family run business, a family run enterprise, which uh-huh. may consist of many businesses and that kind of diversification that, that you're talking about. Um, one of the things that I think is important early on, uh, you mentioned communication. What I see in in my work time and time again with family-run businesses is that there is often an inherent assumption that because we grew up together, because we're family, we understand each other, we understand each other's strengths, each other's weaknesses, each other's foibles, um, uh, and we can make assessments about what might work for, for a family member and what might not work for a family member. Every time I've introduced some kind of objective assessment test, and I, I won't go off on assessment tests because it is an unregulated industry and oh. uh, there are assessments that can promise you the world. Um, oh. So I think one needs to be a very, a very careful consumer. Yeah. But if, if you've done your research well, you're working with somebody who understands the difference between a reputable, recognized uh, assessment test and, and one that isn't. You can provide families with not only a language to talk about some of these softer things in terms of personality traits, in terms of things like sociability, ambition, impulse control, interpersonal, uh, interpersonal communication skills, but a real, you know, a real language to, to use to talk about differences in family, because again, I think there's not only an assumption that we understand each other because we maybe grew up together, but that we're more similar and the the differences aren't really attended to. And so what I found every single time that I've used some kind of assessment tool is that it provides not only a language to talk about differences, but it provides in black and white. Here's where mom is different than dad. Here's where son or daughter are different from each other. Here's what, here's the way in which the brothers are different. And, it's data. It, it becomes hard data that can then be used to make really important decisions about where one might go. And if, if it is joining the family business, great. If it's starting a, another venture, great. But the more hard data that you have that's related to how you're wired and again, what your emotional and social skills are, what your motives and values are, uh, the better those families are served and the better the individuals are served. I believe.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree. And I think as well, the the world in which we're living in now, it, it's perhaps easier um, to diversify and and to, to have those conversations than it was, say, 50 years ago. And 50 years ago is when perhaps a lot of the second or third generation were coming into their family business. And so it's a, a different concept for them to start looking at where – We might explore a family enterprise or um, becoming a a business family, but because that's not something that that they would have grown up perhaps being surrounded by. Whereas today's generation, I mean, you know, you can become an Instagram entrepreneur, I imagine, and and earn loads of money. That's that's a completely alien concept to somebody who perhaps is doing the the, um, patriarchal matriarchal role within the family business. Uh, and so it's the, that clash as well can, um, can create some frustrations.
1: Absolutely. And, and if I can show to a prior generation on paper that you know, uh, the personality, the style, the motivator, the, the things that motivate your child do not line up with the things that motivated you or do not line up with what you need in your business, a quote, uh, I'll, I'll just say making the, the quote sale to that parent becomes far easier. Because mm. again, I, I can show them the data that says uh, these other opportunities might be a far better fit for who your son or daughter is yeah. than what you think they should be doing.
0: Mm. And we, we've spoken about some of the preventative steps that, that people can be taking prior to, to joining the family business. But there'll be people who are listening who will be thinking, I don't have that luxury. I'm in it. I feel as if either I'm trapped or I feel there's other opportunities that I could explore within, within the business. Um, what can they be doing? Is it the same kind of stuff? Is it communicating more? Is it floating those ideas? I think the, we said we'd come back to it the emotional intelligence side of, of recognizing why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And if, if you need to kind of fill out some assessments. Um, mm-hmm. to, to do that, then then that's fantastic to, to highlight that. But but having that emotional intelligence, recognizing that you're feeling the way you're feeling, and then pivoting away from that, um, it, is likely to have positive impacts. But how, how do they? How do people go about doing that in, in practical terms?
1: Yeah, it can, it can be it can be particularly challenging. Um, often, I speak with clients. The metaphor that I use is you need to build a kind of a moat around you and perhaps okay. uh, if you have a spouse or children and your family separate from your parents or the family business. Because if you've grown up in a family business and if you've only worked there, the lines and the boundaries can be very, very fuzzy. And so it can be very, very hard to kind of sort through where I end and where the family business begins. And so much of my work with clients, and I think, I think work that people can do on their own to some extent, is being able to, or with friends, with trusted advisors that they hire again, not not their parents' advisors, but their own advisors, um, is to sort is to kind of sort those those differences through and say, what is it that I want for myself, and who am I separate from um, from what my parents need or or what the family business needs. So I find that, that metaphor to be just tremendously helpful. I'll just say again, though, it's because the lines can be fuzzy. And if you've spent years in a family business, it can be hard to get, to get clarity around that. And so really one of my biggest pieces of advice is regardless of who it is, if it's a therapist, if it's a family business advisor, if it's somebody like me finding and hiring somebody who doesn't have any skin in the game, somebody who whose job it is to help you understand how you got to where you're at, why you feel the way you feel, what your options are, maybe to get you to a point and help you start to open those conversations with family members. Having that outsider becomes so important because I do find that in family businesses, again, The advisors that are hired are working for the business as a whole. They're not necessarily working. And I think there's a conflict of interest in fact, but it's very hard to say, well, I'm working for your parents, but I can also help you determine what the best fit is and the best decision is for you. So I really, I really strongly, strongly encourage people who are feeling trapped or confused, uh, or just questioning their career path to seek an objective outsider Uh, Again, maybe it's a friend, but it has to be someone without any skin in the game, without any motivation to keep you where you're at or to get you out. But someone who can objectively help you sort through all these issues. Um, And it has to be a relationship that that you own. Uh uh, And and arguably that whether, again, it's a friend or a paid advisor, uh, somebody who only works for you to help yeah. you make those determinations.
0: Yeah. And I think the objectivity point is, um, really, really important because you can imagine if, uh, you know, that mum and dad have brought in, um, a consultant to help with some succession planning. And they've said, we want, um, sibling one to take over the business because they're eldest. And that's just the way it happens. Um, if the, if the, the parents have given that as a task for the consultant to implement you're not necessarily going to explore why that might not be the right thing to do because the the chances are the parents will think well hang on we brought you in to do this and now you're questioning us you you can go we'll get someone else in who's not going to do that that's exactly right but, but having that objectivity and working on an individual basis um i think is um, really important. Uh, I think it's a great point.
1: And I think I think what uh, the reason I'm trying to make the point so strongly is those individuals who feel trapped need to know that they are. I hesitate to use the word entitled because it's thrown around uh, usually in a negative in a <laughs> negative way. Yeah. But but I think you know entitled to. And again, the opposite of, or or just because you feel trapped doesn't mean you need to leave the business, Mm. but they're, they're entitled to that time and that space to figure out again, who, who are they and who do they want to be and what motivates them. And it may turn out to be that they are in the best possible situation that their family business and, you know, becoming a leader in their family business is a perfect fit for them. But I find that because the waters are often so muddy, uh, that they don't get that opportunity to objectively come to that conclusion on their own. And and, and that's why I try to make that point so strongly.
0: Yeah, and I think that point as well about reframing it not necessarily as a negative. You might feel it's a negative now, but by understanding it and, and talking it through with somebody, you can then reframe that as, right, okay, this is the right thing, this is absolutely where I should be. Um, And I'll just say, Russ, I'm sorry to interrupt,
1: but it also may clarify that, you know what, any dissatisfaction you may be feeling or questioning that you may have may have nothing to do with your personality, or your career interests, or your motivators, or your emotional intelligence, it may purely be, and this is what most family business consultants, I think, do and, and work with, which is so critical. It's an issue of the family dynamics and the interplay among family members uh-huh. and the history there that goes along with the family. So one of the things that that going through a process like that early on, where you're again, kind of creating a moat around yourself to understand and, and kind of embrace who you are and who you can be is it may just clarify that again this this is a good fit for me i'm feeling that it's not but it's not because it's not because of what it, it's not for the reasons i thought it's yeah. not because yeah. of something <laughs> internal it's something else that needs to be understood and explored yeah. and, and, and now, now i can I mean,
0: yeah. uh, that's the key as well now i now i understand that i can explore it before that's i didn't right. know that was the issue so that's right yeah very very good point um one of the things that we um, do see in terms of, uh, again, let's uh, move it back to to negative before we go back to, to the positive again. But, but some of the barriers that we see that are either real or perceived when people face considering leaving the firm. We, we've spoken about can they get a job in, let's say, the outside world um, doing the same with, with the same freedoms. That, that that would be a barrier. Um they don't want to let family members down maybe another um, barrier or feel as if they're going to be letting family members down but what other things do you come across as the reason why people say I don't want to be doing this but I have to because?
1: Yeah I think uh, a lot of what I'm going to say um, people may if you're listening to this podcast and you're feeling trapped and I may present some of the reasons that you say you can't leave, um, they may be a little bit offended because for every reason I'm going to give, I think there are solutions. You know, Mm -hmm. there's no, life is a series of uh, difficult choices and there are pros and cons to every decision. So when somebody says to me, well, I can't leave because of the money that I'll be giving up. No, you're making a decision that says my career satisfaction and happiness is less important than, um, than the shares that I may have. In the company or then than my lifestyle you're making a decision that one is more important than the other so a lot of these roadblocks people use i would i would argue as excuses for often not really doing the hard work and saying well what does it mean if i were to uh, uh, find a job where i'm making less money or what really does it mean if i were to give up my shares in the company if i leave what does that life actually look like and really to go down that road but instead People just kind of don't, they don't do the hard work of thinking that stuff through. Yeah, um, There are options. So things like money are, I, I would say in a lot of cases, an excuse or a roadblock that people put up. Uh-huh. Um, and again, you've got a lot of avoidance um, that leads people to then be stuck in, you know, what they say, making no decision is absolutely making a decision. Yeah. Um, but relationships, you know, um, will my parents or cousins or siblings disown me? Because in fact, often, if you're the first one to even question leaving or to leave, you're, you're messing with the system and you're messing oh. with perhaps the norms of the family and others are thinking, no, we, we have to be here. This is what we've all kind of agreed to. We're all gonna be in the business. Um, there are no options. You're really messing with people's ideas of, of what their own options are. And so there's gonna be a lot of resistance. You know, Any kind of system wants to maintain stasis and stability. And if you're the first person to say I'm leaving, you could expect that there's going to be a lot of blowback and a lot of resistance from others. Because the fact is, you may be saying, "You know what? We don't need to do this." There are options, okay. and that and other people may feel like uh, that, that's a very uncomfortable truth oh. that others are kind of are going to have to face. And I'll just let, let me add one more. Uh, simply, just guilt. Uh, I'm working with a client now who's in a very important role in his family business, and part of his issue is if I leave, the sales division of this company is really going to struggle for quite a period of time. And my father, my uncles, my cousins have really come to rely on me to drive that business. So I don't even want to think about leaving because that's going to really hurt them. And the guilt that I would feel would be too much. Well, again, I would argue that that's an excuse to avoid thinking about What can you do to actually either replace yourself, to prepare them for your departure, to put things in place that are maybe going to be uncomfortable or difficult for the family members that are still there and certainly for you, but that you can do that work and figure out maybe there are ways to to make it work for everybody. But instead, Mm. what I find is too often because of a lot of these unconscious pressures, folks don't even go down that road.
0: Yeah. Yeah completely and um, my day job is as a financial planner and one of the things that we try to instill into people is that life's not a rehearsal. We can't come back next time and go, okay, well, I, I've had these feelings, I'm going to act on them now, I'm going to do something different and back to the, uh, the excuse of money, it's a lot of the reasons we see with um, people who are reluctant in terms of succession planning in particular, um, it, the money is used as an excuse, I can't afford to retire, or I can't afford to have that lifestyle. Um, we can actually show them that they can, <laughs> That's right. which re- removes that excuse. Then, like, ah, okay, what now? <laughs> um, and I think as well, when when the, those excuses are removed, it it can take a weight off of people's um, shoulders that they feel actually, okay, I, I don't have that as an excuse anymore. Right. But that can also be used to highlight what perhaps the main issue is. So, if you think, "Oh, I can't move on because it of uh, the financial side of it, you go, "Well, actually you can." You go, "Well, okay, I, that's not as important as this issue." and and that's that can can help explore that.
1: and And psychologically, uh, you're really disrupting somebody's way of thinking about it because for so long, perhaps they've thought, no, I I cannot do anything. And once you show them you can, that, that can be a relief, but that takes some time to absorb because if you've you've clung to that for quite some time to actually see that there are other options, as much as I think it's positive, it can be very disruptive psychologically
0: for folks. Completely. So, and yeah. um, something that was taking up headspace is, is now perhaps not. And you start thinking about other stuff and other um, excuses, as we say. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so, just looking at um, people who may be feeling trapped, uh, either in the positive sense or the negative sense, and, and just to kind of reiterate that, that that feeling of being in a trap can, can be a huge empowering. Um, um, thing to, to, to embrace and to say, okay, I don't want to be doing this, but I want to be doing this and this is, this, this is what I can fulfill. What one tip would you give to family businesses or family business members who are, are feeling that way?
1: At the risk of sounding like uh, a broken record, which I realize <laughs> it's an outdated reference at this point.
0: <laughs> the listeners um, will be like, what's a record?
1: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I... Uh, Regardless of who it is, I think engaging somebody who you can trust, who is on the really on the outside of your family, on the outside of your business, somebody who has no you know no skin in the game in terms of what decision that you make, a true objective outsider. I think that's the best decision. That people can make. And again, it, it can be in some circumstances, it can be a friend or yeah. it can be an advisor that you, you have worked with. But my, uh, my my number one recommendation really is uh, to seek somebody as far outside. And this may even be geographically. I mean, I, oh. work with people, I do work with people all over the world who I never meet. And I think there's some great comfort in that because um, even if I know, and I do ultimately know their name, uh, and the business that they're in, we're not in the same social circles. Yeah. They're not gonna bump into me anywhere. They know that I don't have a relationship with other members of their family. Um, so I think there can be great comfort in that. And so I found that having that uh, having that uh, in some ways anonymity or certainly privacy mm-hmm. uh, can be tremendously helpful to to sorting this stuff through. yeah.
0: I think that's that's true um and and before we sign off and and tell our audience how they can find out more about you um the book and and how to get in touch, um is there anything that you wanted to cover that we perhaps haven't? I know this is a subject you know exceptionally well so i don't want to don't want to miss anything um so so if there is anything then um perhaps we can chat about that
1: yeah, you know what what I would like to 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 mention is something that i did not grow up in a family business and i'm sure uh and i haven't done this but if i think back to my childhood i was around family businesses i shopped at family businesses i probably need to think through even from a young child uh, the from from the time when I was a young child that I have friends actually that work in family businesses. Mm. But that's not why I came into this work. It happened really accidentally and I became fascinated by it. But what I wanted to mention was that not having grown up in one, not having had the opportunity to work alongside family members, I think it's an incredible gift if it's a fit for you and if there are paths for you that are satisfying to work in your family business, I think you owe it to yourself to explore every possible option to do that because you get to know family in a way that you otherwise would not. I mean, I can tell you, and I'm sure you've had this experience as well, and it's mostly from from parents, but I think it's also from um, children once they've uh, uh, ascended to the throne as it were, or become leaders of the family business, they realize that, there's a closeness that they had because they worked with family members. They got to know parents, siblings, uncles, cousins in a way that they wouldn't have known other if they hadn't worked with them. And I think yeah. that's an incredible gift and an incredibly rare opportunity. And I think for those of us that didn't have that opportunity, and I'll, I'll put myself in this category, of course, uh-huh. you know, there have been times when I've looked at that and said, gosh, I, I could only imagine uh, a side of my father uh, that I would have gotten to know if I had the opportunity to work with him and frankly a side of me that he would have had access to that yeah. he didn't have otherwise and so i think the intimacy that working with family members provides and the uh, the incredible i don't know joy i think of having that that much closer connection to family members really can't be can't be minimized so yeah. uh, to your earlier point that While trapped connotates you need to exit, I would argue that if you're feeling trapped, do everything you can to figure out a way to make it work because working in a family business is an amazing, amazing opportunity that that isn't available to, to everybody in this world.
0: Absolutely. And and I fall into that camp as well. I I didn't have the opportunity to work within a a family business, but um, I see those opportunities and those relationships in in my day to day work. And it it is a fantastic um, thing to see. So I think that's a really good um, positive note to finish on as well. Um, So for for people who want to get in touch or find out more about you and uh, and buy your book, Uh, where can they find out more about that?
1: Uh, I appreciate that. Um, the website, as you may guess, is called trapped And that will link you to Amazon or I believe you have other booksellers that are linked there. There is a second edition uh, that is expanded that was published on June 10th. And so that is now available for folks. I believe the first edition is still out there wow. as well, but there is a second edition that I of course encourage folks uh, to acquire. If you happen to have the first edition, I don't think you necessarily need to buy the second edition. A lot, of, a lot of it's overlap, but just so you know, if you're on Amazon and you see there is a newer version and you don't own the first edition, I would encourage folks to to find that second edition. If you want to get in touch with me, yeah, thank you. And if you want to get in touch with me, uh, directly, please, you know, send an email to just info or to Michael, if you'd like to try to reach me directly at trappedinthefamilybusiness.com and I or somebody uh, will get back to you within a day or two.
0: Fantastic. And we will put links to that in the show notes uh, and make sure we, uh, we signpost people there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I would recommend people getting in touch if they are feeling um, some of these feelings because um, Michael will certainly be able to help. So thank you very much indeed for your time. Um, our listeners won't know, but we'd actually scheduled this um, for, for last week uh, and then my podcast gear got stolen. Um, so we, we had to um, rearrange, which we very kindly did. Um, so we really appreciate your, um, your time and your input today and uh, we we'll look forward to speaking to you again in the future.
1: Well, thanks, Russ. This was a wonderful conversation. I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about, you know, what I think is a, a hidden but very, very common issue. So so thanks for the time.
0: That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes. Or if you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www fanbizpodcast.com We'll see you again soon.